Hello and welcome to the weekly message podcast from Crozet United Methodist Church in Crozet, Virginia. We invite you to join us in person any Sunday for our contemporary service at 8.30 a.m. or for a more traditional service at 11 a.m. Please visit us online at www.crozetunitedmethodist.org for further information. We hope you enjoy this week's message from Crozet UMC. Job, chapter 14, verses 7 through 22. For there is hope for a tree, if it is cut down that it will sprout again, and that its shoots will not cease. Though its root grows old in the earth and its stump dies in the ground, yet at the scent of water it will bud and put forth branches like a young plant. But mortals die and are laid low, humans expire, and where are they? As waters fail from a lake and a river wastes away and dries up, so mortals lie down and do not rise up again. Until the heavens are no more, they will not awake or be roused out of their sleep. Oh, that you would hide me in Sheol, that you would conceal me until your wrath is past, that you would appoint me a set time and remember me. If mortals die, will they live again? All the days of my service, I would wait until my release should come. You would call and I would answer you. You would long for the work of your hands. For then you would not number my steps. You would not keep watch over my sin. My transgression would be sealed up in a bag and you would cover over my iniquity. But the mountain falls and crumbles away and the rock is removed from its place. The waters wear away the stones. The torrents wash away the soil of the earth. So you destroy the hope of mortals. You prevail forever against them and they pass away. You change their countenance and send them away. Their children come to honor and they do not know it. They are brought low and it goes unnoticed. They feel only the pain of their own bodies and mourn only for themselves. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. So there's a word in there that you may not have heard before. There's a word in the book of Job called Sheol. And today we're going to talk about what Sheol is and why it's important to Christians. Unfortunately, the vast majority of you have probably been reading Bibles that don't contain this word. And this morning I came up here and checked, and our pulpit Bible does. It does contain Sheol. Sheol is a Hebrew word, and it refers to the place of the dead. It was the understanding starting in Genesis that when people died, you buried them in the earth, And then they somehow descended to this place of the dead. It's not hell. It's not heaven. It's an option number three. And unfortunately, over time, the church has failed us. Over time, the church has allowed for there to be translations that translate away Sheol to our detriment. Now, Sheol, in some translations, I went through and looked at some of them. The NRSV is a scholarly translation that contains the original Hebrew, Sheol. But some translations will say things like the grave, or death, or even hell. Those are not responsible translations. They change the entire meaning of the passage and ultimately change our theology of death. Now, last week, we talked extensively about how God mourns our death. God mourns that we do come to an end. God mourns the loss that we feel for one another when there is death in our lives. And so God had created this place 
for the dead to rest. And last week's scripture, where Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead, if I had backed up a few verses, you would have heard Jesus talking to his disciples about Sheol. He doesn't call it that in the New Testament, but he tells them that Lazarus is merely sleeping. And over and over again in Scripture, we understand that Sheol, the land of the dead, is a place where people rest in death. And our theology is such that we are waiting for something, right? We are waiting for the day of resurrection. So it's important that we have a place to rest and wait Well, one of the encounters that I had last week on Monday was in here doing preschool chapel. The children had wanted to talk about all of our stained glass windows. And so I thought it would be really fun if we went around and looked at all of our stained glass windows in the sanctuary. And then I had a cup in each sill and a cup over here for these two and a cup on a chair back there for the big one. And I gave them all a token and I let them go and vote for their favorite stained glass window. Now, by far, the winner was the big one in the back, which is appropriate because that's the ascension of Jesus and that's a good thing. You might be interested to know that the next one was a tie between the nativity window and the crucifixion window. That preschool children have no problem with the death of Jesus Christ on the cross. And they have plenty of options to pick from. But they were showing their affinity and their comfort level with these two things, the birth of Jesus and his death, Christmas and Good Friday. And so I asked one of them, I said, wow, I was like, why, why is this one interesting to you? And he said, well, Jesus is dying on the cross. And I said, that's right, Jesus is dying on the cross. I'm like, why isn't that scary? And his response to me is, because I know he rises from the grave. His theology and his understanding, even as a preschooler, of the resurrection of Jesus Christ makes him unafraid of death. Let's say that again. That a four-year-old cannot fear death because he understands that resurrection means that death is not forever. That is important to us. Now, I listen a lot to what people say when they talk about death. And I know that for better or for worse, and it's probably somewhere in between, a lot of our understanding of death has been shaped by movies, it's been shaped by television, it's been shaped by literature, and for some of us, it's even been shaped by song. It's been shaped by popular music. And so our job as the church is to always put before you what the Bible says, what our theology says, and let you work out for yourself how you make sense of that. I'm not going to tell you you have to believe this or you have to get out. That doesn't exist. But I do want you to know what the Bible says because God expects for all of us to have the same comfort level as that four-year-old, that we don't have to be afraid, that we can encounter death and we can mourn it as is absolutely appropriate and yet we can still go on to live and thrive and find joy in this world. Now, Job talks about, and in the book of Job, this is our man Job who's talking today, and Job is lamenting the fact that there is suffering in this world, and if you know anything about Job, you know he was really suffering. 
He had lost all of his children in a horrific accident. He had lost all his livelihood, his stocks, his crops, his um, his animals, all of this was gone, swept away. And then if that weren't enough, he lost his health. His body hurt so much that the only relief he could find was to sit in the grit and the dirt on the side of the road and use pot shards to open his wounds. That's how bad off Job was. And Job laments to us, trees, They can look dead, but they can still sprout. Creation can rebound, but it is not so with human beings. We will die. The day will come when we will die. And while we are refreshed by babies and young children and we are given inspiration to continue on and survive and thrive for them, the truth is that all of us will one day die. And he laments that and he says, Oh, that you would just hide me in Sheol. Hide me in the land of the dead. Hide me there, Lord, for life is too painful. And that you would appoint for me a set time and remember me. That is precisely what Sheol is. Now, before the New Testament and Jesus brought to us this concept of the day of resurrection, people believed that when they died, they went down into Sheol and they slept. They finally rested. And when you're talking about a people who were either agricultural or they were shepherds and herders, for them finally getting rest was like, thank you, Jesus. Thank you for the rest. We too work and we stress and we have anxiety and we have encounters and experiences that make us realize how difficult life is. And sometimes you just really want a nap. Sometimes you just really wish you had taken advantage of all those times your parents were like, don't you want to go nap? And you were like, no. And you're like, why didn't I nap? Why? One time I was doing a graveside, and I always get there early. And so I was there, and I was talking to the funeral director, and I looked over, and one of the gravestones had the gentleman's name and his birthday and his day of death. And underneath his name, it said, doing the dirt nap. And I said to my friend, the funeral director, I said, have you ever noticed that? And he said, no. He's like, oh my gosh, I've never seen anything like that. And I'm like, well, actually, the theology is pretty good. It's a little different. But it is. The idea is that we are resting, that we are in this place where we are completely freed, liberated from the burdens of life. Now, life is good. I love living. I love living. I want to live for a long time. But there's burdens to living. Sometimes you bear burdens for, on behalf of other people. Sometimes you are bearing physical burdens, mental burdens, emotional burdens, you name it. And sometimes, let's just be honest, sometimes we're bearing spiritual burdens, and those are heavy. We bear burdens. And so to suddenly be free and liberated... Sounds great. It does sound restful and rejuvenating because we do believe that on the day of resurrection, the day when Jesus comes back and issues judgment, that we will rise again and that there will be an eternity of worship and celebration in the kingdom to come. This is our theology, not just of the United Methodist Church, but of Christianity as a whole. 
Jesus is coming back and bringing one heck of a wonderful future. And we cling to that in our dark days. We cling to that. So the concept of Sheol is actually one that should help us, right? When I think about what happens, oftentimes somebody will say to me, you know, Grandma's in heaven. And I don't say anything. Because the Bible doesn't tell us that anybody is in heaven right now. The Bible doesn't tell us that. Now, someone will say to me, Ah, but in Luke 23, 43, Jesus says to one of the other criminals on top of Golgotha on the cross, he says to him, truly I tell you today you will be with me in paradise. Someone will say that to me. The response to that is that this was Greek, and Greek doesn't have punctuation. So Jesus could actually be saying, truly I tell you today, you will be with me in paradise. Instead of I'm telling you, today you're going to be with me in paradise. Because I can also cite for you Jesus in chapter 3, verse 13 of the gospel account of John, where Jesus says to his disciples, no one has ascended into heaven except the one who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. Because the truth is that we are not equipped to ascend to heaven. We're not equipped yet. We need our spiritual body, which Jesus promises us that we will get. The Apostle Paul says that that's what happens on the day of resurrection, that we are resurrected into this new spiritual body that can reside in the presence of God for all time, that doesn't get weary or sick, that actually will not cry, that this body will be perfect. And I don't know about you, but there are some days where I am ready for that body now. I am ready for that body. But I also know that there are people who have been ready for that body for a long time. People whose bodies have been ravaged by cancer. People who are suffering with degenerative diseases like Parkinson's, Lou Gehrig's, MS. People like my father who were injured in an accident and have horrific bodily repercussions from that. My father is fused in five vertebrae and has two more dislodged discs and two more. So seven vertebrae in his back are affected. And when his back was crushed, it destroyed the nerve into his left leg, and so he has to wear an orthotic in the left leg, and the muscle has wasted away. And I cannot remember ever seeing my father run. I want to see my father's new body. I want to see him enjoy what it means to move without pain. I want to see others experience that God does promise us restoration, and we will have it. And so I also think sometimes about the idea of when someone dies, yes, we want to shoot them right to heaven. I mean, I'll think, I'm just going to sit here and think about my grandparents. I have two grandmothers, and I can tell you right now, oh, easy. Yes. Not only were they incredible people, not only were they humble and kind and good, but they were good Christians. And their assurance in the promise of faith in Jesus Christ was so strong that we all knew that they were good. That there was no way that God wasn't going to usher them into the kingdom to come. No way. They were amazing. I have another grandfather. I don't know that I would put him quite at like A, maybe like a B. He's a strong B. Maybe Jesus rounds up. 
You know, and I, and I feel okay about that. You know, I feel all right with him. But then I got another grandfather. And I got to tell you, that other grandfather, I preached about him my second Sunday here. He was a belligerent racist. And it used to break my heart to hear him talk about God's children the way he did. And he would say and he would do things that were sinful. And because he said them and did them, he brought evil into the lives of people where he lived. He perpetuated hate and violence with his thoughts and his emotions and his words. And I don't know. But if you're telling me that when he died, I only had two choices. One was that he went straight to heaven or one was that he went... I'm going to spend every single day anxious and in distress. Instead, God says that everyone, when they die, according to the Old Testament, goes to Sheol. And Job laments that even in Sheol, he can't get away from God. Job doesn't understand the divine plot playing out in heaven. And Job says, even in Sheol, you see me, you are there. Job reminds us that even when we die, we rest in God. That we are surrounded by the eternal, comforting presence of the one who is love perfected. And if you tell me that I have to believe that when someone dies, it's either up or down immediately, then you're telling me that God's grace has now expired. You're telling me that human beings have put a period where God has not. You're telling me that God's grace for people like my grandfather has run its course. And I believe that God's grace can work even past the point of our death. I believe that God has created a place where wrapped in the eternal presence of our Lord and Savior, God Almighty, that even there, God's grace and love might work on my grandfather. That there are others that you know, that I know, that we could name, that we pray that this would be happening that God's love and grace would be working on them because now there is no distraction. My father always told me that it's not what you see with your eyes, it's what you feel with your heart. And now my grandfather can't see with his eyes. Now my grandfather can't tune God out on Sunday morning. Now my grandfather can't distract himself by reading the newspaper when he should be reading his scripture. Now it is God all the time nurturing him and calling forth the acceptance of the fact that he is loved and known and God wants him to join into the kingdom to come. That's the beauty of Sheol, the beauty that God's grace can still work for us, in us. And we deprive not only ourselves, but others of it, when we don't pay attention to that simple translation. Too often, people are left wondering, if I don't know for a fact that this person's in heaven, now what? And God says, when we die, you come to me. And now it's my turn. 
Jesus has charged every Christian with working on others, working on helping them to know that they are known, that they are loved, that they are cared for, that they can be redeemed. And that is our job here and now. But we're all going to die. And we are not always going to be successful. And I have to think that God, knowing just how needful we are of salvation, isn't putting all the eggs in these baskets. That God has a backup plan. And that backup plan existed before Christianity. It existed in Sheol. That their people can rest. Now, medical science has just started to grasp onto this concept that Sheol perfected how many thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of years ago. The idea that a human being can be so sick that we need to actually deprive them of stimuli so that they can heal. We put them into medically induced comas. And there, the brain function slows down. And in this sleep state, they encounter healing that they couldn't have otherwise. Only now are we starting to realize what the promise of Sheol is. And so when someone says to me, where is my husband? Where is my mother? Where is grandma? I can tell them unequivocally, they rest in God. And you will see them again on the day of resurrection. And I believe that. I need that. And I know that there are others who need that promise too. That instead of being abandoned, that instead they are being held in trust by the only one who never defaults, the only one who never has an error. They are being held in trust by God, the maker, the creator, the redeemer, the sustainer, the one who is capable of all things. And that when Jesus comes back, the New Testament says that he holds the keys of hell and death. But if we were to translate his Aramaic, we would have heard him say, I hold the keys of Sheol and death. And he will open up Sheol. And all those who have died will be resurrected. And we will see our loved ones again. We will see with new spiritual eyes the promise of the resurrection, the glory of God's goodness and faithfulness to this promise. And then we will discover what heaven really means. So I commend to you this concept of Sheol. And I know that it is difficult to hear this. I know that it is far beyond what most of us see and encounter. And I want you to know that I am more than happy to continue this dialogue, this talk. I've, in fact, I've put sheets in the back for you if you're interested with every single citation of Sheol. And there are 65 in the Old Testament. And they're back there and they're printed out. And I hope that if this feels uncomfortable, if this feels wrong, that you will engage it, wrestle with it. That's a biblical image. Wrestle with it. To know that instead God seeks to comfort us. 
There is one great equalizer in our lifetime. And brothers and sisters, it's death. It is no different whether you are rich or poor, male or female, young or old. It will equalize us all. And there in that state, in what happens afterwards, God will take care of us. May we find hope in this promise and surety in knowing that all of our loved ones who have gone before us do, in fact, rest in God one way or another. May it be so for the glory of God and for the comfort of God's people. Amen. Thank you again for joining us for this week's podcast. We hope you found the message meaningful, and we invite you to join us in person as we gather for worship at Crozet United Methodist Church every Sunday at 8.30 a.m. and 11 a.m. Please visit us online at www.crozetunitedmethodist.org to learn about ways you can connect with God and your neighbors through the ministries of Crozet UMC. Have a great week.